Welcome back to another episode of No One's Guilty Pleasure. Okay, so I took another sabbatical last month um, because I can, because this isn't my job. Uh, No regrets, but I also possibly aged five years in the past five weeks. So, you know, we're going to bounce back slowly, but I have faith in myself and I know you do too. So in the spirit of that, I don't have a theme this month. It's going to be just a grab bag of random guests, movies, themes of whatever I find to be a good idea. So this movie is not a like cult classic, nostalgic bit, whatever. Um, This is obviously a movie that came out this year, came out in September. And when I saw it, it kind of took me by surprise and was so fucking funny And I just feel like we need to dedicate some time to this film. Um, It's called Do Revenge. And um, I would say before you keep listening, you should probably watch the movie first. It's on Netflix um, because there's a couple of little twists. But if you truly don't care, which that's up to you, um, you can keep listening. But I think it's going to be kind of the classic teen movie for the Gen Z, Gen Alpha, whoever those people are that are coming after us. Not coming after us as in like an attack, but coming after us chronologically speaking. Um, But they, the movie is also like a ton of references to the 90s and early aughts teen movies. So it makes those of us who were used to growing up with those movies kind of feel quote seen as well. So as I said, If you want to remain spoiler-free, exit this episode for a minute, take your two hours to watch the other movie, and then come back. So I'm not sure how long this episode is going to be. It will probably be one of my shortest ones because there's not really a lot to dig into in terms of analyses. It's just really kind of like telling you what the movie is about and a couple like references that I enjoyed and highlights. Like It's not like a tear down or a you know, this is a present day movie. So it's not like we're looking back being like, oh God, they did that. It's fairly self-aware. I'm sure maybe in 15 years we'll be like, I can't believe we said that, but hindsight's 2020 folks. So the premise of this movie is like two teenage girls. One's name is Drea and that's Camila Mendez. If you've seen Riverdale, I know she's been in other things, but I can't tell you right this second. Um, She plays Drea and then Maya Hawk, who's Uma Thurman's daughter and per my friends was in Stranger Things, um, plays Eleanor. So Drea is like a fallen queen bee. Her boyfriend betrays her, her whole friend group like ices her out. And so then she meets Eleanor and Eleanor's new in school and was bullied by this other girl when they were younger. So she was like scared to be there. And so Drea is like, kind of the protagonist but she's also a little you know mischievous sounds light like she's not quite a villain but she you know like she you know in taylor swift's words an anti-hero probably and she decides that what they're going to do is um help each other enact revenge onto those people who wronged them so like drea will help get revenge on this girl who is a bully and eleanor will help get revenge on drea's ex-boyfriend And this movie was written and directed by a millennial, and you'll be able to know because of all of the references. Um, Her name is Jennifer Katian Robinson. 
She also wrote a movie that I love that's on HBO Max called Unpregnant. If you haven't seen that, it, please watch it. It's hilarious, but also very timely um, about two young women that are trying to get access to an abortion. So trigger warning, but it's it's a very good movie while also having a lot of laughs. And apparently she also co-wrote Thor Love and Thunder with Taika Waititi. And I kind of watched that last weekend, but I was also really hungover. So watching is a strong word. All I took away really is that um, Natalie Portman may or may not be sick in the movie, but she may or may not be a superhero in the movie. Um, it was very colorful. I remember that part. Um, I, I'll go rewatch it, guys. I'll rewatch it. I'm working on my on my Marvel homework for Carly because I'm a good friend. Okay, so I think the Camila and Maya of it all like was probably the best part. They have amazing chemistry. We'll get into like their friendship and kind of like their energy together. And they also obviously did a bunch of press for it. So if you have TikTok or Instagram, whatever, and you just like look up the hashtag for do revenge and watch their press, they're hilarious. Um, And so, as I mentioned, you know, the best element of the movie is just kind of, it fits that formula of a typical teen movie and they make, and the writer, she makes very clear references to kind of all of our favorite movies for sure. And I'd say that um, probably Dre and Eleanor's dynamic is most closely like Sharon Ty from Clueless, except they have terrible moral compasses um, that it kind of gives more of a Heather's vibe. I've not seen Jawbreaker, but I've seen references to Jawbreaker as well. So, you know, Drea, like we said, is the queen bee and she's like taking Eleanor under her wing, much like if you think of Sharon Ty. Andrea has like the circle of friends that they call the Rose Hill Royal Court. And so it's very like the plastics or like the crew from Clueless as well. Um, And they are like pretty shallow, but in the end, you realize they are fairly nice people. They've just are privileged and haven't ever had to care. And then um, Drea has a best friend who, like we said, ices her out a little bit. And her name's Tara, and she's kind of like a cross between, if you remember Harmony from 10 Things I Hate About You, Gabrielle Union's character, and Dion and Clueless. Because at first, it seems like she betrays her, but then later you find out that she actually like misses her and does want to be her friend. So she's not terrible. As we said, the enemy is a straight white man. His name is Max. I mean, the name alone. And we know that he's not going to be her boyfriend by the end of the movie because the guy who's the boyfriend at the beginning never is. We should have known he's a villain from the start. Um, In the opening scene, there's a party for Drea and he literally has to like upstage the party dedicated to her by doing quote, a grand gesture for her, but like smack in the middle of her speech. So he has no mindful behavior whatsoever. And then he has a little sister named Gabby, who eventually becomes Eleanor's love interest and is very like Travis from Clueless. Not that they're really like, not that anyone's trying to keep her from dating Gabby, but that Gabby is more of like that distraction from like what the plan is. Um, But she's probably my favorite character in the movie for sure. And she is a bit of the moral compass. And Drea gets like a very hot love interest as well named Russ. And he too is like just this wholesome, you know, well-meaning person that gets caught in the crossfire of these two hot mess expresses. 
Um, I think all of you will love the cameo from Sophie Turner. She plays kind of a little bit of an unstable girl at the beginning of the movie. And um, I think my favorite surprise when I first watched this was um, Sarah Michelle Gellar appearing as the headmistress. I feel like it had to be, it's like a, an evolved grown-up version of who her Cruel Intentions character was. Because um, obviously they were like at a very bougie private school too. So um, she was doing this thing of like trimming a bonsai tree. And I don't know if that was like Mr. Belding and Saved by the Bell, but I feel like that was also a 90s thing. Like people had the bonsai tree was like their calming thing. Or do you remember like, what was that thing where it would be a sandbox, like a Zen garden, and you would take the little rake across the sand? I don't find that calming at all, but those are just things of the past. So I feel like even um, SMG, like trimming the bonsai tree was a reference in some way. And like I said, there were several direct references. I think some of my favorites were um, Drea and Russ have a paint throwing date. That's very 10 things I hate about you. Um, Dre and Eleanor do the makeover montage, but since it's 2022, they acknowledge it's problematic. Hot take. I don't, are those things problematic? I thought they are fun. <laughs> it's not saying that there's anything wrong with the person being made over. It's first of all, we all always have room for improvement. And secondly, don't you want somebody to like help you pick out clothes in and out and like do your hair and makeup? I feel like that's a reward, but whatever. And then the dark, one of the darker references is that there is a car accident that is very reminiscent of when Regina George gets hit by the bus in Mean Girls. And then this is not a teen movie reference. Um, what do you call it? Like, it's not one of the movie references, but there was also this infusion of like Taylor Swift in the Look What You Made Me Do video. Like there's this bathtub scene with Jules that's very like that music video and Eleanor even says in a part of the movie, she's like, the old Eleanor can't come to the phone because she's dead. So that was like an interesting little bonus moment. Also towards the end, there's a scene in A Tunnel of Love, which I feel like the last time I saw a Tunnel of Love scene was in Hey Arnold in a Valentine's Day episode I had on VHS as a small child. And I feel like we should bring back the Tunnel of Love. Like that's a nice little, like a moody situation. That's not a reference to anything except for Hey Arnold. Wow. And good luck to all of you because I never edit the solo episodes because I don't want to hear myself talking myself back. Um, so yeah, I, like I said, the best part of the movie is definitely the fact that even though at first you think it's a movie about Drea, it really is equally both Drea and Eleanor's stories. Like they both get the main girl energy, like inner monologues, and you get to see both of their perspectives, um, see them both like, hit their crashing lows in the stories. They both have like very signature manners of speaking and style and um, are both like very equally developed and very evenly matched. And they like confront each other and they're both so ruthless and very charged. It's almost like a sapphic undertone. Like I'm like, are they also in love with each other? Like, is that what we're taking away from this? Or is this just that they have that much chemistry? But there's also an entire montage that's like a flashback of all of their memories together. It's set to like Billie Eilish is happier than ever. And that felt like more than friends. So I just need to know if they're if they're supposed to be more than friends. Somebody tell me. Um, the style is like very loud and definitive. This movie takes place in Miami, um, where the writer is based from. And I think that's an excellent choice because obviously it's literally always takes place in Los Angeles or like a weird small town, but it's being filmed in Los Angeles or Vancouver. 
Um, I loved that this took place in Miami and had like the bright colors and all of the scenes were super bright for both of that, like turn of the millennium energy, but also the Miami energy. And like I said, they both, both of the leads had very specific looks. I feel like Drea's, even though they were very colorful, they felt more structured because it was usually like monochromatic or like very simple cuts versus Eleanor was like very turtleneck girl, which I didn't realize upon first watching, but second time through. And then she also had lots of chaotic prints. I mean, pre-makeover Eleanor was like very jabby, um, TBH. So her alter ego persona was like extremely colorful, had like a lot of seventies prints too, which I feel like I also wore in the late nineties. So it was kind of interesting that they were both modern and retro at the same time. The funniest scene in this movie, um, this movie, first of all, there's a million amazing quotable lines, but the scenes themselves, there's like this epic ring dance. No, it's like ring ceremony dinner. I keep saying ring dance because that's what I had in high school, but it's a ring ceremony dinner for the senior class. And it looks like a winter formal almost, but since it's like, you know, modern and all the kids are rich, they, you know, want to dress like adults, but it's really beautiful. It's like everybody's dressed in tones of white and silver and blue. It's very icy. And I enjoy that. And then in this scene, it's um, Drea and Eleanor lace the dinner with shrooms so that um, they can frame this girl, Carissa, who was Eleanor's bully, um, who was secretly growing drugs in their um, terrarium. No, that's the little one. Greenhouse. I think it's greenhouse. Like the school's greenhouse. She was secretly growing drugs there. So they take those drugs, lace the food with it, and then like provide an anonymous tip to the headmistress. Um, but like everybody's losing their shit and being chaotic and it's quite enjoyable. And then shortly thereafter, there's a part where the girls expose Max as being a cheater by posting all his text messages in public. And at that point, like I had hit pause or something or like hovered on my remote and there was still 45 minutes left. And you guys know how I feel about two hour movies. If we're going to make the movie two hours, you better fill my two hours with action. So I was supremely nervous because I was like, this movie has been doing so well. Don't fuck it up now. And they absolutely delivered. So as I said, Final warning, this is third and final warning to watch the movie before I proceed to share the twist. I'm making it sound like it's really huge. Watch y'all have all known what it was going to be from the start. And I was like the only one who was blown because I watched this like at 9.30 a.m. on a Saturday a few weeks ago. So I wasn't, you know, of sound mind, if you will. So after they expose Max, something happens and Drea's, oh, eventually like she and Drea, uh, Drea and Eleanor get into a fight and Drea's like finds out that Eleanor had like messed with her car to like lure her into becoming her friend and she like wants to dig into it so she goes to see Carissa the girl that she had just framed and get some intel and she finds out that in a big swing of events that actually Eleanor was not trying to get revenge on Carissa she was actually trying to get revenge on Drea and Drea was actually the bully who spread this nasty rumor about her when they were kids. And the craziest part is that Drea never realized it was a rumor that she said. So I was like, oh my damn. And then that's when we go into like the Taylor Swift in the bathtub scene of Eleanor. And you're like, holy shit. So I just almost like wish I could experience it for the first time again, because when it first happened, I was like, wow, 
it, it was amazing. So anyways, you can kick rocks if you think that I'm being the most respectfully. But I was very impressed with the devices, to be quite honest. And so basically the that last you know, quarter of the movie is all about like Eleanor is now blackmailing Drea. Um, but at the end, you know, women support women and they join forces against the man. And he does like this whole rant, like, you know, talking shit on them and like telling them that they were never going to get away with stuff, you know, classic villain talking too much, not knowing that they're recorded typical stuff. And he mentions like when he met met Drea and he was like, this girl's wild and was like all excited. But then he realized like they couldn't both be um, like the main person in the couple. And so like he had to end her basically. So he's like admitting to what he did to her. And my friend Jade, loyal listener of the podcast, I'm sure you're going to be excited for this moment. Um, She has been pushing this metaphor to me for months. And by months, maybe eight weeks, but it feels like months about couples that are each couple is a steak and a potato and I was like no like you know because obviously I was being told that I'm a steak and that made me feel like I was like high maintenance or you know attention seeking or whatever but what it is is like one person has to be very particular and very specific and the other person has to be like versatile and go with the flow and complimentary and whatever. And so this movie, even though I was trying to push the whole surf and turf situation, like, can't we both be leads? Max Andrea said that you cannot be surf and turf. And this movie affirmed Jade's entire philosophy um, in like 90 seconds. And so I'm at peace now with the fact that I am a steak girl and I will gladly accept a side of potatoes in my future. I prefer them to be hash browns or sweet potato fries, um, maybe potatoes au gratin, au gratin. I don't know how to pronounce that, but they're delicious. Um, I will not take like a soggy steak cut fry. That's all I have to say about that. And then the last thing is really the music. I mean, again, it just each element of the movie kind of sets you up for a fun experience. Um I feel like when I was a kid, I was always really into buying movie soundtracks just to listen to all those songs again, because usually like if it wasn't original music for the movie, it would be like what songs or artists were like popular at the time um, doing catchy stuff. I feel like Princess Diaries soundtrack, we've gone through this in the previous episodes, Freaky Friday soundtrack, all of those were like a big deal to tween Ruby. Um, But this one had a nice merge of both like very modern songs that again, I feel like now the young generation would be very into but then the throwbacks were literally just so specifically perfect if you grew up in this era that we did um so for like the modern songs they had um Hailey Kiyoko's for the girls Olivia Rodrigo's brutal moonish silk chiffon and like I said happier than ever by Billie Eilish and then the throwbacks were uh do you know by Robin and what people don't know is that Robin had a lot of good music before fucking dancing on my own. Not that I don't love that song, but she had a whole ass career 10 years prior. That's all I'm going to say. Um, the impression that I get, I think is the mighty, mighty Boston song that played. There was fat boy, slim Meredith Brooks, the cranberries. So literally every single classic. And I think again, lining up with my favorite scene was when the ring 
fuck this name ring ceremony dinner like that's such a fucking mouthful um the ring ceremony dinner the highlight was that they did an instrumental of how bizarre it was very bridgerton bridgerton take notes but that was really the movie it was like a very fun escape i would say please watch it in the sense of there are so many funny lines too that i feel like when i watch movies nowadays there's nothing like including comedies there's never a comedy i'm watching where like oh i can just say that line out of context as a joke to my friends um and this one definitely had so many again especially between dre and eleanor in particular um nicknames for each other discussing like radiating glenergy or calling each other revenge mommy all these different bits that were really cute but if i was just like reciting them here alone for you it'd be really weird and pathetic so what my trust you all to do is to watch the movie yourself practice the lines and then when i see you in person you better say some of them to me and i'm gonna be a full hypocrite and not remember any of them and then i'll look like the fool so i think that's it it's harder i feel like to talk about a movie that you like and have no qualms with because it's just like and here's what i like and then of course when you're by yourself but had to get back in the saddle bring some energy back to this little podcast next week i have guests spoiler we recorded it last night so i can already tell you it is hilarious (laughs) it's it's the it's the definition of unhinged before unhinged became overused in the past like two years um it's gonna be a a good old bloodbath is all I, i can say for that and then i'm gonna do a bit of a special thanksgiving episode and then if my guy friends can get it together we may do like one more rom-com this month and then we're gonna do holiday episodes people so i will keep the content coming through the end of the year if i've invited you to be my guest answer me so that i can get this scheduled because we're going to be booked and busy in december uh but yeah if you have any suggestions of movies or shows that you love that you'd love for me to talk about or you want to be a guest on just dm me of course follow at n-o-g-p underscore pod on either instagram or twitter um as long as i still have twitter because who knows what's going to go on with that based on its new leader um but i'll try and be more engaging that'll be a new year's resolution i'll figure out how to be a more engaging personality online and then of course please follow on spotify make sure you rate you know share this with your friends who are also pop culture geeks as well because all of my friends you're doing a great job listening but now we need to get the outsiders involved the civilians greatly appreciate you guys and i will see you next week